Hi everyone! Welcome back to the Page to Screen edition of the Atkin County Public Library podcast where each month we usually discuss a book that's been turned into a movie or TV series as well as the reception of each. We took a different direction for our summer podcast episodes so that they would line up with our summer programming. We just finished our Oceans of Possibilities summer learning program this past Friday so now we're back to our usual podcast themes. For this installment of Page to Screen, we're going to be discussing a book that was turned into a movie in 2016. Me Before You, a romance novel written by New York Times bestselling author Jojo Moyes, was first published on January 5, 2012 in the United Kingdom. You may also recognize Moyes as the author of the very popular book The Giver of Stars, which was published in 2019. I remember when Me Before You came out in theaters in 2016. I went with some cousins of mine to see it, mainly because they had spoken so highly of the book, but also because I knew that Sam Claflin, fresh off of his Hunger Games role of the beloved Finnick O'Dare, had been cast as one of the main characters, Will Trainer. And I don't know how many things you've seen, movies you've seen with um, Sam Claflin in it. He was in one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's been in Hunger Games. Um, he was in a movie about World War II. I think it's called Their Finest. I can't remember the, the I would have to double check that title, but... He's just really great and an amazing actor and pretty much everything I've seen him in. <clears throat> so I was pretty excited to hear that he was going to be playing that main character. I didn't know anything about the book going into the movie. And as such, I didn't know that I'd be needing a box of tissues before the two hours were up. Amelia Clark and Sam Claflin shine in the lead roles. And you may know Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones. She plays uh, the Dragon Queen Daenerys. And she's been in a few other things. I think she was in a Star Wars movie. Um, the one about... Oh my goodness. Solo, I think is the name of it. Um, but anyway, she was in a role in that. But she's basically known for um, her character of Daenerys Targaryen. But so she is also a lead character in this movie. And after watching the movie, I knew I needed to read the book immediately. The book earned a place on the New York Times bestseller list, as well as on the Richard and Judy book club list. Although the book did reach widespread acclaim, there were also several disability advocates that criticized and heavily opposed the book. At 480 pages, the book can be knocked out in a few nights of consistent reading, or if you're like me, listen to within a few days. For the past nine years, I've had a 30-minute commute each morning and each evening, so that gives me about an hour a day, depending on the traffic. To enjoy an audiobook. A lot of times when I get home, like many of you, I either don't have time to sit down to read or I'm simply too tired to process what I'm reading or I fall asleep while I'm reading. So audiobooks and podcasts are a major plus for me. I borrow audiobooks through Libby with my library card for free and then listen to them with my phone's Bluetooth feature through the car stereo. We also have playaway audiobook options through NC Cardinal and while I myself have not used one yet. They're super user friendly. The audiobook basically comes loaded on this little device called a Playway, powered by a AAA battery, and all you have to supply is your headphones. You don't need a CD player, a data connection, or anything else to use these. They're also a really great option if you're not as tech savvy or if new technology can be a little intimidating to you. They're really, um, they're really good. So if Playaway sound like something you'd be interested in, just let us know and we can use your NC Cardinal Library card to place those holds for you. We don't have any Playaways currently in circulation here at Yakin County Public Library, but um, there are several 
of our sister libraries within NWRL that are circulating them, or we can get them from another regional system um, through NC Cardinal. So anyways, back to me before you. Kirkus Reviews summed up the book thusly. A young woman finds herself while caring for an embittered quadriplegic in the second novel from British author Moyes. Louisa Clark has no apparent ambitions. At 26, she lives with her working-class family, portrayed with rollicking energy, in a small English town, carries on a ho-hum relationship with her dull boyfriend Patrick, and works at a local cafe, The Buttered Bun. When the cafe closes, she must find a job fast to ease her family's financial stress. Enter Will Trainer, a former world traveler, ladies' man, and business tycoon who's been a quadriplegic since a traffic accident two years ago. Will's magistrate mother hires Louisa at a relatively hefty salary to be Will's caregiver and keeps him company for the next six months. Easygoing Nathan gives him his medical care and physiotherapy, but really Will's mother wants Louisa to watch him so he doesn't try to hurt himself. Will, once handsome and powerful, is not only embittered, but in constant pain. He has some use of one hand, but is dependent on others for his basic needs, and recovery is not an option. It's not possible. Louisa, who can't help speaking her mind and dresses thrift store eccentric, thinks he hates her, but no surprise, Louisa's sprightly, no-nonsense charms win him over. He even cheers her up on occasion. When Louisa overhears Will's mother talking to his sister, she realizes that the trainers have reluctantly agreed to let Will commit suicide at a facility in Switzerland in six months. Louisa decides to convince him to stay alive with a series of adventures. Meanwhile, Will, who senses something in her past has made Louisa fearful of adventure, is trying to broaden her experience through classical music and books. Their feelings for each other deepen, but Louisa is not Jane Eyre and Will is not Mr. Rochester in a wheelchair, so don't expect an easy romantic ending. Despite some obviousness in the storyline, this is uplift fiction at its best, with fully drawn characters making difficult choices. And again, that was the Kirkus Review from November 1st, 2012. So I'm one of those people that absolutely loves British literature. Anything based in the United Kingdom, I'm usually keen to read. There's just something so cozy about reading about these ordinary people living in their flats and frequenting their favorite pubs and bakeries, eating their crisps and fish and chips that just really puts me at ease. For me, it's like being wrapped up in a warm blanket, very snuggly and relaxing. The fact that many of these are read by British British narrators is also another plus for me because I could sit and listen to a British or an Irish or Scottish, ac- Scottish accent, for that matter, to all day long. It's one of my greatest wishes to visit the United Kingdom someday, so these books are to me comforting and familiar. I'm actually reading another book right now called The Messy Lives of Book People by Phaedra Patrick that is set in England that I think would also translate really well to the big screen. So I'm curious to see if that ever happens. Probably not, but it would be interesting to see. Um, So I say all of that to say, usually these kinds of books are like my guilty pleasure and something that I unwind with after a busy day at work or at home. But this one was a little different for me. I'm not in the habit of reading overly sad stories, um, stories about terminal patients or books about health challenges that the characters and their loved ones face books kind of like the fault in our stars it's just not something that i would read i still to this day cannot read that book or watch the movie it just seems way too sad for me personally um it's not because i think i'm better than that type of genre or anything like that it's just mostly because the world can be a very weary heartbreaking place sometimes and you see that kind of stuff all the time in your daily life 
Um, when I read a book, I'd rather escape these traumatic scenarios that we are constantly flooded with in the news and on our social media news feeds, rather than immerse myself in a story that can very well play out any day in real life. So that's probably why the majority of what I read is fantasy or science fiction. And that genre is not for everybody. And it's okay. That's okay. That's why there's so many books out there for us to read. So that there's something, a little something for everybody. But fantasy and science fiction is sort of an escape from reality for me personally. I think the first and last book that I had read that was similar in theme to this book would have been A Walk to Remember by Nicholas Sparks when I was a teenager you know, a hundred years ago, <laughs> it was a beautiful story and the characters will break your heart and stay with you forever. But I just couldn't bring myself to read anything like that again. Um, until that is, I found me before you. I was not prepared for the roller coaster of emotions that this story sent me on. It goes without saying that in order to finish this book, you'll need at least one box of tissues or a handkerchief. Louisa is a thorough, thoroughly likable character, quirky and upbeat to a fault. Will is moody and acerbic and completely bitter with the turn his life has taken. As much of these as most of these love stories go, they completely get on each other's last little nerve at first. But as Lou perseveres with Will and as the two group grow close, she learns he's cultured and worldly in contrast to her simple life spent with her parents or her boyfriend Patrick, who's obsessed with running. I will say as someone that watched the movie first. I was completely taken aback by how closely the movie stuck to the book, down to the dialogue even. Two of my favorite scenes from the movie, the opera outing with the red dress, as well as the bumblebee tight scene, came straight from the book. And if you know, you know, I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't read the book or watched the movie. The differences between the movie and book were pretty minute, with the exception of one or two, and that might be due to the fact that the author herself, Jojo Moyes, wrote the screenplay for the movie. The first difference I noticed was that Georgina, Will's sister in the book, doesn't appear in the movie at all. Neither does Stephen Trainer's mistress, and Stephen is Will's father. He doesn't have an affair in the movie, and as a result, Will's parents present a pretty united front, whereas in the book, they're kind of disjointed and detached from each other, and you get the sense that the only reason Stephen has not left yet is because of Will and the care that he requires 24-7. To me, that was a welcome change from the book. Another difference I noticed quickly is that the movie is mainly shown through Louise's perspective, but in the book, whole chapters are told from others' points of view, point of view, from Will's other carer, Nathan, to Louise's sister, Katrina, and Will's mother, Camilla. There are some other plot differences that I'll just let you read to find out about, but the biggest change that I noticed between the two is the fact that they leave out Louise's assault flashback scenes from the castle maze. It was quite an important subplot in the book, and the scene is pretty integral to Louise's character and a large part of the reason that she dresses really flamboyantly um, the way she does and how fearful she is of the world outside her little village. So I was kind of surprised that it wasn't alluded to in the movie at all. Moyes explained that they originally had the scene in the movie, but spent six months rewriting and rewriting it. It just didn't translate on screen. She quoted that, I think that was such an interesting example to me of the difference between book and film, because in the book she refers to it in almost a throwaway line. She doesn't spell out what happened, and you can't do that visually. You can't throw that away and not be respectful to the issue. 
So we tried and tried, and in the end, we just had to accept that to put that in and give it the weight the subject deserves unbalanced the whole film because it then changes, A, the tone of the film, and B, it changes her relationship with everything, and so we had to lose that. End quote. One other big change I noticed between the book and movie was the dynamics between Lou and her family. It's clear pretty early on that Lou is the butt of the family jokes, and while it's never in a mean-spirited sense in that they're they're not intentionally trying to hurt her feelings, but the way they treat her is pretty problematic. At 26, her income is basically keeping the family afloat because the, her mom doesn't work, um, she takes care of the grandpa, and the other sister has a job at a flower shop, So, um, and then the dad works at a furniture factory, so they're basically just doing what they can to keep you know their heads above water. So at the beginning of the book, when she loses her job at the Butter Bun, her family is super distraught. Despite the fact that Lou is literally keeping a miserable job that she hates for the sole benefit of her family, her sister, her dad, and even her boyfriend are constantly making these little belittling remarks and quips towards her, and Lou just kind of brushes it off because that's what she's come to be used to from them. She views herself as less than capable of many things because that's what she's been told her whole life. Her relationship with her sister in the book is a stark contrast to the relationship between the two in the movie. In the book, Trina and Lou are constant competitors and rivals. Trina is selfish and has an overly inflated sense of her own worth, and Lou feels like she's always living in her sister's shadow, even though Lou is the oldest. The girls fight like many sisters do, but Trina never really misses a chance to verbally abuse or put down her sister. In the movie, Trina is Lou's confidant and best friend rather than a competitor, and the family as a whole, as a whole is a little dysfunctional, but they're never cruel to each other the way it comes across in the book. To me, that was one of the major differences between the book and the screen adaptation. As mentioned before, Jojo Moyes did write the screenplay for the movie that was directed by Thay, Thea Cherok in her directorial debut. Supporting cast members included Janet McTeer as Camilla Trainor, Will's mother, Charles Dance as Stephen Trainor, uh, Will's father. You may also recognize him from his role as Tywin Lannister from Game of Thrones and Brendan Coyle as Lou's father, Bernard Clark, who you may also recognize as Mr. Bates if you're a Downton Abbey fan. The film was shot in various historic locations across the countries, including Pembroke Castle in Wales and Cheney's Manor House, I hope I said that right, in Buckinghamshire, England. Released on June 3, 2016 in the United Kingdom and North America, the film received mixed reviews and engrossed $208 million worldwide. Me Before You grossed $56.2 million in North America and over $152 million in other territories for a total of $208.3 million against a budget of $20 million. The critical response to this movie um, was kind of mixed. On Rotten Tomatoes, the film has an approval rating of 54% based on reviews from 180 critics and an average rating of 5.5 out of 10. So it didn't get great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. The site's critical consensus reads, Me Before You benefits from Amelia Clark and Sam Claflin's alluring chemistry, although it isn't enough to compensate for its clumsy treatment of a sensitive subject. On Metacritic, the film has a score of 51 out of 100 based on 36 critics, in indicating mixed or average reviews. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of A on an A-plus to F scale. 
Chris Nashwadi of Entertainment Weekly gave it a grade of B plus and wrote, it may not quite rise to the level of a classic three hanky tearjerker, but it's proof that sometimes one or two hankies is more than enough to get the job done. End quote. The film did spark some criticism from many in the disability rights movement who perceive an underlying message that people with disabilities are a burden on their families and carers and claim the film promotes the view that people are better off dead than disabled. They view the film as advocating suicide so that their loved ones can, quote, live boldly. Others found the film exploitative of the disability community by stirring the emotions of viewers without actually aiding disabled people by accurate representation or employment in acting roles, while pointing out the casting of non-disabled actors as, as disabled characters. The hashtag MeBeforeEuthanasia backlash was led by celebrities with disabilities including Liz Carr, Penny Pepper, Mick Scarlett, and Shirley Houston in the United Kingdom, and Dominic Evans and Emily Laudow in the United States, as well as activists from Not Dead Yet in both countries. Protests in the United States occurred in cities including Los Angeles, New York City, Boston, Hartford, Denver, Atlanta, Chicago, Baltimore, and Philadelphia. There were also protests in Australia. In response to the backlash, author Jojo Moyes said the story was inspired by her own family where relatives required 24-hour care as well as a real-life news story about a quadriplegic man who convinced his parents to take him to a center for assisted suicide. About Traynor's decision, she said, the film is, quote, sorry, the film is in, the fact is, in the film as in the book, nobody else agrees with what he decides to do. This is not by any means sending out a message. It's just about one character. It's nothing more than that. End quote. So I'll let you come to your own opinions and conclusions regarding that controversy surrounding the movie and the book. But I will end this episode on the note that overall, I'd say the movie stays more faithful to the plot than most book to movie adaptations that I've ever come across. If you've read or watched me before you, I'd love to hear your opinions on it. And if not, be sure to let us know if you'd like for us to place a hold with your NC library card. NC Cardinal Library Card. We do own a copy of the book here at Yakin County Public Library, and there are several copies available within the Northwestern Regional Library System, as well as NC Cardinal in large print, regular print, and audiobook formats. There are also several copies of the movie available for checkout through NC Cardinal. If you read the book and enjoyed it and are looking for similar, similar reads, I've compiled a list of read-alikes for you today. They include Talk Before Sleep by Elizabeth Burke. And the reason listed is, although Talk Before Sleep focuses on the strong bond between two lifelong friends rather than the brief but emotionally intense relationship between a hired caregiver and her charge, both moving, character-driven novels confront the issue of mortality head-on without sentimentality. And that was given by a novelist contributor. The second read-alike is We Are All Made of Stars by Rowan Coleman. The reason listed is that despite these novels being centered around tragic circumstances, their overall message is optimistic and thought-provoking. They ask us to consider our own lives and things that we hold dear while also offering characters to root for. That review was given by Lauren Havens. The next read-alike is Photos of You by Tammy Robinson. The reason listed is make sure you have tissues handy before embarking on these books in which major health problems change the trajectories of people's lives and lead to unexpected relationships. Both offer likable characters in tough situations. That review was given by Shauna Griffin. The next book is Every Note Played by Lisa Genova. The reason is, when fear-stricken women take on the care of once vibrant, now bitter men, made quadriplegic either through ALS, 
the unflinching every note played that's uh the the read a light book and car accident the more romantic me before you all find opportunities for growth emotional healing and love in these powerful moving novels and that uh, read alike was given by melissa gray the next book is the girl he used to know by tracy garvis graves the reason being Though their relationships are slow to start, the couples in these tear-jerking novels warm up to each other and eventually move from friendship to romance. However, life has other plans for them as they find their futures in question. And that review was given by Hallie Carlson. The next read-alike is The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving by Jonathan Evison. Reason is sympathetic, somewhat complacent caregivers forge strong bonds with their strong will, wheelchair-using charges as each individual challenges the other to embrace life more fully. At once humorous and bittersweet, these moving novels tackle illness and mortality with sensitivity, but not sentimentality. And that reason was given by a novelist contributor. The next read-alike is You're Not You by Michelle Wildkin. In these candid, moving, and character-driven novels, young women accept temporary jobs as caregivers to wealthy patients who use wheelchairs, never expecting to form life-changing friendships in the process. And that review was given by a novelist contributor. The next read-alike is My Oxford Year by Julia Whelan. Her re- the reason is, in these poignant novels, young women fall for men who harbor a secret that affects the future of their relationship. Though readers may shed a few tears, the novels also offer humor, romance, and an uplifting message about embracing life. And that review was given by Hallie Carlson. The very last read-alike that I have for you is How to Walk Away by Catherine Center. Reason being... Though with very different endings, both of these enjoyable novels depict the growing bond between a paralyzed individual and their caregiver or physical therapist and how and how to walk away. And that review was given by Shauna Griffin. This list of relikes was obtained from Novelist Plus, which is available under e-resources through our website, www.nwrlibrary.org. Using your NWRL library card and PIN number, or you can log in through the NC Live website and sign in using your card number and PIN number. The secret to finding your next great read, Novelist Plus is a trusted source of expert read-alike recommendations available through libraries around the world. I use it really frequently around here for patron questions, and it's a resource that I highly recommend. So that's all I have for you today. Feel free to follow us on social media and let us know in the comments if you've read a book lately that really stuck with you. Whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, we would be really happy to see you there. If you haven't already, hit that follow button so you can follow this weekly podcast. Each week, Yakin County Public Library staff will be bringing you more topics, so be sure to check in every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch y'all for the next installment of Page to Screen. Happy Wednesday, everyone!